Good evening, and welcome to this week's episode of This Week's Episode. I am your dapper host, Evan Goldstein. With me, as always, is the elegant Karen Randazzo. Hello. And the ever-stately Chris Randazzo. You know, Chevy Chase woke up one day, and he just wasn't funny anymore. You know, I watched that episode, and I am so glad you picked that line. (laughs) On this show, we talk television, so every once in a while, we get a little spoilery. So, if you don't want Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip episode 10-ish, um, 10. Brain Games, Doctor Who, the season finale, or the epic crossover of Flash and Arrow, spoiled, please stop listening, go watch them, come back, we promise to try our best to make them better. Uh, I feel like I should start off, and because, you know, we do a lot of talking about entertainment television and i feel that this is like a a, a a step away from that because watching this show you does l- not entertaining no 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 yeah. no 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 you learn stuff oh which no is never entertaining i know i'm out <laughs> everybody just checked out i i understand completely but the other day i fell into the the rabbit hole that is netflix and i came across brain games now i had seen a couple of episodes on television, and it really tickled me. But I started at the very beginning, and season one is three episodes, and they are about an hour apiece. But their voiceover, the narrator, is Neil Patrick Harris. Oh, yay. So he makes everything better. <laughs> um, Almost everything. You know, this is, he tried really hard with that, that show with the, the awards. I cannot imagine adding Neil Patrick Harris to Tuna Casserole is going to make it better. You you can't knock it until you've tried it, though. It's true, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. <laughs> I think it's Tuna Casserole's fault, though. <laughs> Absolutely. You leave Tuna Casserole out of this. You're the one who brought it into wiggly this. wiggly substance. <laughs> anyway, Anywho. you were saying, Evan. What the show so is all about is uh, it just teaches you how your brain works. The ins and outs of why you think the things you think and how you think them. Um, really inter- entertaining stuff. Really interesting. They do a lot of uh, visualizations to, you know, illusions, optical illusions and whatnot. But specifically, the episode I want to talk about is the third episode of the first season. And it was all about short-term memory. The way that you can't the, remember any of it. Yeah. They explain why... Uh, there's the difference between short-term and long-term memory, why there's always the disconnect, why we forget so many things so quickly, so on and so forth. But the, the get of the episode is they, they, sh- they show you a guy doing three-card Monty out in a park somewhere, and he's got about a crowd of 20 people around him. And, you know, he's like, follow the queen, follow the queen, da-da-da-da. And off behind the crowd, this woman starts arguing with a guy. Another guy approaches this older gentleman steals something out of his bag another guy comes in they do a weird handoff and they all run and what the the showrunners do is they take all of the the 20 people and test their short-term memory in in you know identifying the, the crime and the criminals and whatnot and by the end of the episode i am fully in the belief that Using people's memory for anything is an absolute waste of time. <laughs> I mean, these people got every, just shy of every bit about this crime wrong. Women's coat colors, how many people were actually involved. And 
as they're showing the faultiness of the human brain, they're explaining why. Um, at the, the the culmination of this whole thing is they have about fifteen of these people in a, in a jury box, and they're asking questions and getting the story over and over and over again. And these people are contradicting each other and arguing and going back and forth. And and what what apparently the show actually took two people who had nothing to do with this threw them in with this group to throw out these bits of information to get to confuse people to get them to believe what they saw was different. So, like, one guy goes, uh, you know, I swear she had a red coat on and a red hat, and then other people started agreeing. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that's that's absolutely was it, me. Was it Carmen Sandiego? It should have been, that because that's what it looked like. Long black hair, red coat, red hat. I mean, Where in the world is she? <laughs> um, it's so interesting, for so, and it, they really simplify it, too, so you understand why things happen the way they do in your in in the makeup of your brain um it it really like it's stunning how we get through life in general just on a daily basis because everything inside of our head is just faulty as shit absolutely not reliable whatsoever this is not a surprise <laughs> to me or anyone who has ever spoken to me it it <laughs> Especially not your wife. <laughs> I don't remember anything ever, unless it's video game trivia, which is fantastic. And, and video, if it, video game, and other word here, you got it. It, it. As long as it's related to video games, important things, birth dates, you know, anniversaries, and holidays, social security numbers, like that stuff, just. Don't know. That doesn't stick. But if <laughs> I can tell you when Ocarina of Time came out on N64. <laughs> and the show will explain to you why your brain actually takes those short-term bits of information and stores them in your long-term memory. The The second season, it's in 22-minute bits, so it's a little easier to digest. Um, but it's really, really interesting stuff. And by the end of the, the episode, you, you've learned something. You've seen some pretty neat tricks. Uh, lots of, like I said, those optical illusions that, you know, you, the dots are moving or the lights are flashing or whatnot. But I, if you're at all interested in learning something and having a good time with it, please check out uh, Brain Games. There's like, I don't know, six seasons of it now. Uh, I, I was checking it out on Netflix. So I had a good time with it. Uh, who makes it? Who makes it? Uh, yeah, it's not. Is it's on Netflix? Is it a Netflix show or is it? It is not a Netflix show. I want to say it's like um, Discovery or one of those types of channels. Okay. One of those nonfictiony, right? Well, guys. yeah, yeah, nonfictiony. We'll call it yeah. Um, but it's all ba- you know. It's all scientific. It's all real. They just make it entertaining. I mean, the opening of the show is phenomenal because there's like this you know they're talk there's a voiceover type thing and there's a guy just hanging um rubik's cubes from strings and he's turning them in just certain ways and it's like i don't know 400 of them hanging from string from string and then the camera pans and it does one of those things where all of a sudden they all line up and it's you know the name of the show is another optical illusion it's just really interesting it's really neat stuff cool so that host is a uh, relatively dreamy too. The non, uh, the non Neil Patrick Harris, Jason Silva. <laughs> mm. Mm. 
growl. <laughs> his 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 most like num- highest numbered credit is himself. Well, like uh, you know, he's been an actor in one thing, a writer in one thing, a producer in one thing. Thanks, two things, self sixteen. <laughs> well, I mean, if you got a good thing going and you could play yourself over and over again. I mean, stick with it. <laughs> Ooh, he was a uh, he played himself slash correspondent in the TV movie called Talk Nerdy to Me. <laughs> I love the internet. It's amazing how much. See, this is why our brains don't work anymore. It's because of things <laughs> like internet and cell phones. And I mean, I haven't had to think of something in a very long time because as soon as I say, "Oh, I don't have that information readily available to me," I'm just going to pull up my phone and have all of the information available to me right now. Boom. National Geographic is uh, the channel that plays this by BT Dubs. Thank you very much. Like I said, it is available on Netflix for mass consumption. Mm. So I love and, mass. And and the way you can tell that Chris is not a woman is that I'm looking at this guy and he's all right, but uh... <laughs> he's a man. <laughs> hey, listen. Well, honestly, here's here's the situation. I already made the artwork for this episode, and it featured that guy and not Neil Patrick Harris, who's Neil in Pat- the specific episode you were talking about. Neil Patrick so, Harris uh, does not show up in the show physically at all. He's only a voiceover. That dreamy dude in which you <laughs> so beautifully put into the show artwork, he has been, he's been in every episode after the first three. He, so basically, I just needed to bring him into the conversation. I fully understand. And what was that. what was interesting is when I I was Google searching, uh, what's his name, uh, Jason Jason Silva. It was like all these glamour shots. <laughs> I'm gonna do it again right now. Jason Silva images, and it's like, dude is all over the place. Like, hey, here's my five o'clock shadow beard, and here I am looking sexy, and here I am looking smart. And here I am looking smart and sexy, and here I am holding a camera. I don't know why, but it's, 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 it's fantastic. <laughs> Engaging. Yeah. Good times. So, All right. Um, I want to talk about Studio 60. So, Chris, go. Model Mayhem. I think this dude was a model. No. None of these pictures are of him. <laughs> This is just a bunch of male models. I'm oh, so boy. confused right I know now. how this ends. You're on the internet in the wrong section. <laughs> uh, okay, close closing that window. All right, Studio 60. Erase your history, dear. <laughs> now nah, I wear that shit loud and proud. All right, um, so a few weeks ago we brought up uh, Sports Night on the show, and that had me in kind of a... Uh, uh, watching Sorkin kind of mood, so I grabbed our Sports Night DVDs and I started streaming, like streaming, yeah, actually playing them. You don't stream DVDs. Um, I was playing them at work, and uh, I made it through the whole series of of Sports Night, and it has aged uh, to be sure, but uh, it it's, it still holds the same exact place in my heart. Everything I said about it during that episode, it still rings true. I love that show, but when I was done with it, I was still feeling. Feeling the kind of Sorkin vibe. So, um, long, long time ago, we picked up at FYE because I had some remaining credit there a closeout, like just blowout, cheap ass DVD set of Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, which was the show that Aaron Sorkin did after The West Wing. It aired on NBC. It was basically, you know, the Aaron Sorkin show model, but based off of, uh, like behind the scenes of a Saturday Night Live type show. And, um, it was, I mean, I really liked it. I, I really liked it when it aired. It wasn't, you know, phenomenal, but it was, I think, a, 
you know, subpar Sorkin is still better than most TV. <laughs> oh, like, absolutely. This show reeks of Sorkin. It does. Like, it it's a it's probably his most heavy handed, and I I say that having seen all of the newsroom, there was just <laughs> wow. there were there were things that he did in this this one that were like he had his battles that he was fighting at that moment. Like he wanted to take on very specific topics and he did not shy away from it in the least. No. Sometimes to the detriment of the show. But, you know, on the opposite side of the spectrum, there were a lot of things about the show like I, I he he does such a great job creating teams of people. Like and, and the way these people interact with one another. It's 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 all it's all very good. Um before I go any further, I actually forgot to, to start with this. Uh, I just have to say that the Bring Back Mystery Science Theater Kickstarter, it ends on Friday. They're, they're close. They're at $4 million. They're at over $4 million, and the ultimate goal was five five and a half million. Um, if you haven't donated to this thing, if you haven't you know, seen or heard anything about it somehow, and you're listening to this episode, <laughs> uh, check it out. Go to bringbackmst3k.com. It's it's interesting stuff, and I mean, I'm super happy that we're going to get at least six new episodes, but I would love to see this just totally make it to the, to the finish line. So, there's my shout-out. I'm doing my part. Bring back Mr. Science Theater. Yay, sunshine and happiness. Back to Studio 60. Uh, the specific episode that I'm going to talk about, I actually kind of I went through a few because I've been you know just kind of blowing through the episodes while while I'm at work. And what's fun about Sorkin shows is that like I don't have to watch them; I can just listen to them. Oh yeah, uh, especially if I've seen them before. And like I only saw these these episodes the, the when they aired, so I don't have like a lot of remembrance of the visuals. But you know I, I'm working on two screens at work, and I'm I'm just inputting a bunch of changes and whatnot. And so I just have the audio playing, and just listening to them is enough for me to just totally follow what's going on. Because a lot of the dialogue is just really, really interesting and fun. Um, so let's see. The episode I decided to go with uh, was episode 10 of the only season, season one, and it's called B12. Um there's a uh, there. Everyone in the uh, everyone in the cast and uh, and some of the writers. There was a whole. Um, I don't. I, some of the writers, not necessarily true. Everyone in the cast, uh, there was like a, a flu going around, and everyone was getting sick. And if I remember correctly, this was uh, yeah. In like a prior episode, these two, uh, I don't know, jackasses, uh, basically quit the show, but they took all the writers with them except for these two new people. Uh, one of them is a girl named Lucy, who is the girl who played Dawn Tinsley on the original British Office. Among oh. other characters, she's a great British actress, and this was one of the first episodes where she was starting to get fleshed out as a character, and I liked that character so much, and uh, that was one of the reasons I, I enjoyed this episode, because you know, we finally started to see more of her, and uh, this other guy, Darius, that is a, a, a character that they had found somewhere uh, on a, on a uh, stand-up, as a stand-up comedian who had just completely and totally tanked. <laughs> uh, and they decided to hire him because they saw talent in him. So they, uh, the 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 show the showrunners, um, Matt and Danny. One is a uh, uh, one is a uh, Matthew Chandler. Perry. What's his name? Matthew Perry, who plays Matt. <laughs> I should be able to remember that. And the other one is uh, the guy who played uh, Josh on the West Wing. Josh whose on name the West is Wing. Bradley Whitford. Bradley just turn, Whitford. There you just go. turn to me when you need names. It's okay. You got it. You got it. <laughs> 
Um, so, so these two characters, uh, particularly Matt, he decides to to bring back this uh, guy who used to write for the show a long time ago to try to whip these other two writers into shape. And this guy is like, his wife and kid died, and he's just this completely morose guy. And he he comes in to help them out in the writers' room, and he's like all like just completely deadpan, and it's it's relatively funny uh, the way he like trying to tries to whip these guys into shape, and it, and it works out pretty well. The other piece of the episode is there, um, like there's this kind of love story going on between uh, Harriet Hayes, who's one of the stars of the Studio 60 show, that's this SNL type show that's in the show, and uh, Matt. Uh, there's this pseudo love story between them, and Harriet is going to be honored at a banquet. Uh, and so she wants to tell a joke and she's a professional comedian and she just can't tell this joke at all. She, apparently uh, she can't tell any joke, <laughs> any jokes. She's just completely <laughs> incapable of, uh, of telling jokes. And it's really amusing to listen to her try and do he it. Look, he's look, he looks at it and goes, I- I've seen this before. You're like, a, you're like a child with a joke. You hear all the words, but then you just can't put the <laughs> mechanics together. <laughs> oh, it was great. Uh, and and I don't know, Evan. If you rec- do, do you did you recognize Harriet? Yes, she is from um, Horror Show or Horror Story, American Horror Story. Sarah. Paulson. She is indeed from American Horror Story, but I but you would recognize her best as the girl at the end of this Renity movie who was killed by all the Reavers. She was the woman at the end in the video in the recording. Oh yeah. Oh. That's right. I remember her now. Yeah. So if you watch Studio 60, if you've ever watched something and you don't like that character and you want to see something horrible <laughs> happen to her, watch wow. <laughs> I, on the other hand, thought she was fantastic. Uh, and and she's, she's a pretty likable character on this show. Um, so, uh, you know, it, I don't really know what else to say about it besides the fact that it was just... It's a it's a really fun it, it's a fun show. It's got its issues. It takes itself a little too seriously from time to time. But it's one of those shows that I just it was such a shame to me when it got canceled. It wasn't that huge of a surprise, but I felt like there was a lot of potential for this to get better, kind of like Newsroom did. Mm-hmm. Like I really liked the first season of Newsroom, but I felt like the show kind of got its feet under it and moved forward a lot better in the uh, subsequent seasons. And I feel like this show could have really benefited from a second and maybe third season. Like, you know, it didn't need to last forever, but it, it seemed to, to kind of trail off at the end when it's when the writing was on the wall and they kind of quickly packed up, you know, tied up a lot of the loose ends. And I don't know, it was all right. But when when the show was like right here in the middle of its existence, I feel like it was it was really putting together. Well, I mean, really put together some good stuff. The 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 deadpan morose guy. His, mm-hmm. his character's name was Andy, and it was played by Mark McKinney, mm-hmm. who is hysterically funny. He's a kid in the hall. He, <laughs> right. And he played that part. Like, I saw him walk in, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be... Wait a minute. <laughs> That's not him. And he, like, drove the second half of the, the episode really well. The mm-hmm. um The whole, you know, there's that news story going on about a guy who's holding his wife and children oh that's right hostage and those two young writers are just trying to come up with a bit and the original pitch that that matt gave them was just just write a a, a, you know a comedy thing about a stupid criminal yeah because apparently a guy went into like a i don't know a sprint store armed and he threatens (laughs) them to and he said you know give me 500 extra minutes on my account yeah you know 
so they they ran with it and it became a little too close to the the story. Yeah, and they wound up getting their you know, you know, got pulled. The, the thing that they got to put up on the show, and the way they this was, I'm just there. Some of the episodes are bleeding together. The way they got them to get the the sketch in good condition was by just throwing them the wolves and letting them put put it on in dress yeah. rehearsal, and, right? And failed, and failed miserably. And they got demolished, and it was like watching those two actors like handle that, <laughs> just them completely demolished. And then what was it? The uh, oh, with Darius the door. And what did Lucy he call come it? Off stage. <laughs> And they are solely hardly destroyed. And Andy comes out and he goes, well, that's how, it, that's how it is to fail. That's how it is to die on stage. And he gives this little pep talk. And they're like, all right, we could do this. We can go. And he goes, wait, wait, wait. Wait for it. And Darius is leaning up against the wall. And he's like, well, what am I waiting for? And he's like, I don't know, the irony or something like that. It's like the metaphor or something <laughs> like that. And they come <laughs> steaming off stage and bash him square in the face with the door. <laughs> It was so flawlessly timed. <laughs> oh, it was great. There are a few things I really have to say about this show that I genuinely loved. I loved the intro music. I love the way they handled the intro music in every episode. They there's always like this neat little slow build and then this catchy SNL style intro song. And I the intros intros episode the intro pieces to these episodes always always felt good to me. Um I I love the team dynamics that Sorkin builds, uh, and seriously, after watching this show and after you know plowing through a, a sports night, I and this is going to sound odd. I really want Aaron Sorkin to do a superhero team because Ooh. the way he writes quips and dialogue, the way he writes teams of people that are all gathered together from all different walks of life, they argue. Um, but they love each other and they're all working towards the same goal, usually against some kind of establishment. Interesting. The dynamic that he is so good at writing. Can you imagine him on like writing an X-Men team like that? I, okay. The problem with, with me wrapping my head around that is that I don't, I don't see him doing any sort of the rest of the movie, the actiony blow up shit stuff. Exactly. I have no idea if he could handle any of the rest of that stuff. But when I think about the way he he puts characters together, the character interaction, superheroes, yeah, him doing a team of superheroes, I think would just be incredible. Like, and especially like with with as smart as he is, and like the way he likes to throw references to things and and, and be like super you know, well read, intelligent, like. Thinking about the way I, I just I think back to like Joss Whedon's Astonishing X Men run, which is absolutely incredible, and the way those characters interact with one another, like right. his words coming out of Beast's mouth, you know what I mean? Right. No, like, I, I I pick up what you're laying down there, and it probably would be something to hear. It really would, but I, I you know let's, never gonna happen. Let's be honest, <laughs> never gonna happen. <laughs> not 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 in a billion trillion years. But. Not for the least of which reasons, because uh, apparently, reportedly. Allegedly, Ugh. don't sue me. Uh, Aaron Sorkin is a nightmare to work with. I, he I've just also heard that. Does not bring in anything on time or in budget. Um, and God bless him. I mean, and that's why I believe he went to HBO because they have like a little more leeway. They are not answerable to uh, advertisers as much. So like he was free to do the newsroom and like how many episodes do it his how style. Many, how many shows has Sorkin? done that lasted a season or two well, i can only think of four shows he's done right there was sports night which was two seasons 
Mm-hmm. Um, West Wing was seven. Okay, West Wing. He had a good Studio one. sixty was one. Newsroom was three seasons. Okay. I just I feel think, like he he. I don't know. It, I, you know, everybody knows his name, and it's like it's these. He's he's known for like West Wing, I guess. Yeah. And these shows show his talent just as much, if not a little bit better. Because like it seems like he was trying so hard at the vi- like the beginning of this the season, and then it just peters out. Like you were saying, Chris, the the beginnings of the season's really good, and then he builds up to something, and it's a shame that you can see that he was going somewhere, and then I'm pretty sure he noticed the writing was on the wall, and right, the, you know, the writings were he wasn't going to get to finish his story, and it was a shame. Right, right, right. There were the he planted a lot of really interesting seeds, and and. Really going back and, and watching this show now, because it was very much a product of its time. Like, it was very, very specific about a lot of events that were happening at that time. Like, uh, I, I also just got past the Christmas episode with um, all the New Orleans stuff in it and, and whatnot. Like, uh, the re- he was really, really big on, like, the religious right uh, and and its role on television. It was It was very much... At its time, um, but going back and, and watching it now, like I'm, I, especially after having seen, I didn't see. This was the only thing I had seen post uh, Sports Night of his when it aired. Like I saw Sports Night, I saw this, and now I've seen Newsroom and specifically West Wing, which was his longest running show. Now that I've seen all that and going back and watching this, it, it just it, it almost kind of I see a lot of that same DNA in it, and it. It, it works and it's it saddens me that it, it had to stop because I think it's a really great premise and it's a really interesting premise because you know he does this behind the scenes kind of thing of like here there's a, a thing that every the public sees and then he writes the show about what's behind the scenes and he did that with all four of these shows and I think that behind the scenes of a comedy show like this is really is an interesting world it's a very interesting world and uh the way he was telling it was really fun to watch. Yeah, it was. I mean, I'm glad you brought it up because I have I have never seen it, and it, it was a it was enjoyable. I really enjoyed it watching it. Oh, I'm glad you did. So, a Jewish guy calls his mother, and uh, he says, "Mom, how are you?" <laughs> and the mother says, "Terrible. I haven't eaten in 38 days." And he says, "Why haven't you eaten in 38 days?" And the mother says, "Well, I didn't want to have food in my mouth in case you should call." Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well done. See, you could tell it. I could. T- well, I'm reading it. <laughs> I'm cheating. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fantastic. So, yeah, it, it, this this show isn't that hard to find. Um, I don't know if it's streaming anywhere, but I'm sure you can get YouTube. The DVDs That's how I for watched like it. A <laughs> dollar fifty or something. <laughs> and it, it there's a lot of great talent on it. Uh, um, D D L Hewley. Um, Hugh. How do you say his name? Hughley, he's he's really good on it. Matthew um, Perry, Amanda Peet, Stephen Weber, D.L. Hughley, Ma- like every- Matthew Perry and Bradley Whitford working together. Uh, the two of them just work so well together. And Matthew Perry is very very good at this part. Like I I really enjoy Matthew Perry, and uh, <laughs> you can't like, you I, can't have a B twelve shot because you can't have it if you're pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was the other like big thing at the end is that they find out that uh, Jordan, who is Amanda Peet's character, is pregnant at the end. Who's who? Jordan's with Danny. Uh, sort that, of. On that and was off. like what they were 
kind of working towards in the show gotcha. was a you know she had what is it that one of the big things with her was that her ex-husband was releasing all these stories about her and then uh what's this uh, danny decides that he's head over heels in love with her and he tries to get with her and i think it happens before the end of the series but it was like it was a long time coming like gotcha. they, they they worked on that one gotcha. all right well very good sir very good um you can also see the um like <laughs> that when you were talking about the guy who was depressed mm-hmm. and they had a terrible life it, it reminded me of the, the seeds of that go all the way back to sports night and there's an episode where one of the oh dan gets dan gets the night off so he can go see tom waits so they get a fill in anchor and he is the most <laughs> depressed guy you've ever seen because during the show he's convinced while the show is airing that his girlfriend is leaving him like packing up her shit at their apartment and taking off while, in real time <laughs> in real time while they're doing the show and so he's like super super bummed when he shows up and then like how, like in the show, he starts talking about like slipping in little references about what a good boyfriend he is, and you know, you know, just like you, you know, just like me, I, you know, the, this team's really reliable, just like me, and I take care of my girl Felicia. <laughs> like, and you know, he gets pulled out, pulled off the air halfway through the show because he's just too consumed. But like that just reminds me, it's like, oh, that's the origin of this character. Well, yeah. Mark McKinney is hysterical. Like I just saw, I just caught an episode of uh, I think it's called Superstore. You know, it's like a you know sitcom. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Heard and of it. He is the general manager of the store, and he is like really funny, <laughs> like the opposite of these two characters which we just spoke of. He does. He's, he's a really good actor, really funny. So, also like there is an episode of this show called "What Kind of Day Has It Been?" So he does. He does that with every series. Just in case you were wondering if it was if it was truly a Sorkin show, yes, <laughs> there every is. every Sorkin show has an episode, if not the series finale, called what? what uh, then certainly an episode that's titled that. Interesting. All right, let uh, let let's talk some Doctor Who. We had a, a season finale recently. Yes, we did on Saturday. Uh, yeah, it was a big. It was end of a. Three-part finale. Uh, <laughs> so they listened to us when we said we didn't want any yeah, more two-parters. No more two-parters. <laughs> so they decided to kick it up in kept kick it up a notch. Uh, called in Emerald and kicked it up a notch. Woof! Bam. Dating myself there. <laughs> doctor went back to Gallifrey. Um, I was a little nervous about that because the doctor's not been get back to Gallifrey in a long, long time, and some stuff has happened. In particular, the fact that. Gallifrey was unreachable, right? Like that was a big deal at the end of the 50th anniversary thing. It was like, mm-hmm. oh, Gallifrey's still out there. I should find it. Him going to Gallifrey, let's not understate. That was a huge, huge deal. Mm-hmm. Continue. Yeah, but uh, within the episode, he went back to Gallifrey after four billion years. I think it was two and a half. Was it two no, and a half? It was three something. It was a long time. It was billions time. of years. It was billions of years. The point is, he went back to Gallifrey because, okay, the end of the 50th special, they he couldn't find Gallifrey, and he went looking for it, and he couldn't find it. Turns out, 
when he finally gets back to Gallifrey and finds out where he is, it's at the very end of the universe. And do you know why it's there? Because the doctor is pissed off and they didn't want to fi- they didn't want him to find him. That's why that's why he couldn't find it. Cuz they didn't want to be found. Uh and then he they did he did find his way there. He wasn't even supposed to get there, but the episode prior to this one, he got trapped inside the confession dial, and it was used as a torture chamber to try to extract information out of him, and he found a way to beat it, which ended up leading him to Gallifrey. Um, tip, pro tip, do not uh, end up putting the doctor in a situation where he could possibly reach you if you don't want him to reach you, because he's got to figure out how, and he's going to get you. For, let's let's say, three billion years of punching a diamond wall yes that's that's determination right there that's the doctor (laughs) and that's why like the episode previous to this which i have to say i liked a lot better than the season finale when he was in the tardis and he figured out what was going on what he needed to do and why he had to do it you could see the like the resignation in him like do I really have to do this? Because I know exactly what it's going to take, and it's going to take so much. Why do I have to always win when it takes this much to win? So I really like that. And then he gets back to Gallifrey, and the stuff on Gallifrey was great. Uh, The the whole interaction with everybody but the dude in charge, like everybody being on the doctor's side, was awesome. I didn't see that coming I, f- I felt there would be more fear as opposed to reverence if you will right Wait. so i appreciated that they you know handled that it like they took it seriously like that the doctor when the doctor came back to gallifrey he was gonna need to like set some shit straight immediately if not sooner right but then they switched tracks basically and went on this whole thing about saving Clara and it kind of derailed it for me a little I just like all that stuff on Gallifrey was so cool and so interesting and there's so much more I want to know about Gallifrey and so much more I want to see and Stephen Moffat and the doctor and anybody involved with anything didn't give a crap about that they just want to go save Clara well, that's it. That's the running gag, if you will. Well, yeah, it makes me want to gag, and here's why. Uh-oh. Clara, this character has been... All right, she's the one who replaced uh, Rory and Amy. I was not nuts about Amy. I really loved Rory. I liked the characters, but I didn't love them. And when they were uh, written off the show, I was very happy. I was like, all right, I really want some new blood here. I am very excited to see what a new companion is going to be like. And Clara had been very interesting up to that point. They had met her and she died. And then they met her again in another time and she died. And I was like, okay, this we know that Jenna Coleman is going to be the new companion and she's not just a girl from Earth, contemporary modern times Earth. But then she was. 
it was like okay no she's like uh, from the future and runs a spaceship nah never mind she's from the past and that neat christmas episode right that was a christmas episode where mm-hmm. where she was there she was fantastic in that that was so interesting and then when they finally bring her onto the show it's contemporary modern day version of clara and then they gave her this absurdly important backstory without the character really earning it like she was there she pointed out the tardis that the doctor should have, the first doctor should have taken they literally spliced her into footage from all old versions of the doctor and while that was a neat trick i didn't feel like that character had earned that the show kept telling us that she was amazing and that she was imp- important and they were never showing it to us and then after that whole thing happened she was just kind of there and they did this whole side story with her and a love interest called Danny Pink that I just could not convince myself to give even half a shit about. <laughs> I I didn't care for him and I didn't buy her and him and I didn't I didn't buy anything about it. So they had bungled this character forcing it on, on us that this is she is important. She is really important. She is the thing she's the next rose tyler and she never held even a fraction of what rose held even within like the first couple episodes of rose like she was never even close to that so this season comes along they i wasn't crazy about capaldi his first season i really wanted to like him and i never felt like i did and then this season he demolished the role he absolutely owned it he was incredible he is easily up top with me right now he is so he just rocketed to the top of my list of favorite doctors hands down he's amazing and they started writing clara in an interesting way and i started to find her likable i wasn't like head over heels in love with her but she was likable she was interesting and then they killed her and it meant something she she had taken on a role she had started to become like she was becoming like the like like the doctor and that hubris got her killed and that was an interesting story and the fact that she accepted it like really accepted it it made me respect that character and it made her death mean something and the fact that it, it, i wasn't expecting it i didn't know they were all we knew was they were killing her off at some point this season i had no idea it was coming in that episode and when she died it meant something and then in the following episode when they kept showing her back like they're never showing her face and i'm thinking like well you know i guess they didn't want to pay her for her face or whatever and then they showed her face in that one little moment when she was comforting the doctor while he's trying to figure it out that meant something and then they revived her and now it doesn't mean anything her death didn't mean anything because she didn't actually die like they just took all of the meaning out of those scenes by having her survive at the end she was even telling the doctor when he was saving her don't do this it's my time my time is over let me die and he refused and then she's just like ah never mind i'm gonna float around in the universe with the immortal Arya stark in a diner and she's not aging she's essentially like stuck in time but she's more or less immortal at this point and that just killed it just killed what what they had built up for this character. They finally made me give a crap about her, and they wrote a good ending that meant something when she died, and then they went ahead and un- just pressed the undo button for the season finale that clearly had a more important story to tell, 
like the other half of why this was uh, obnoxious to me was like yes it was a decent episode like it was a good piece of tv but you had this really important story to tell of the doctor going back to gallifrey and dealing with gallifrey and and they've been talking about this planet since this new series came back it's always been shrouded in mystery they even had what was the episode called with um timothy dalton in it where we finally saw modern gallifrey uh it's the end of time i believe end, yeah and like that was all really interesting the doctor didn't go to gallifrey then he like there he was having interactions with people on gallifrey but he didn't go there he hadn't been back to his home planet in so long and there's so much there. There's so much mythology built up there. And to literally only spend half an episode on that before casting it aside to ruin a previous story was – it was like a punch to the gut. I, I, after doing so well this season, and that that's how you ended it. It was such a, a punch to the gut. And not only that, I was holding out hope that that one bullshit episode – Without the intro and everything, with the the sand in your eye Sleep monsters, no more the last one we talked about. I was holding out hope that there was going to be a reason for that episode, and it never nope. paid off. Nope. That episode is now officially complete and total bullshit. <laughs> I was hoping that there'd be something like, no, they're smarter than this. They've got to be smarter than this. Well, they're not. <laughs> this was just, and now we're doing this, and now it's done. What happened? Who knows? Who cares? We're not going to bother explaining it. Move on with move on with your life. And and it's it's lazy. It's far more lazy than this show deserves to be. And that's how I feel about it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the thing about Clara is they wrote themselves into a corner. They wrote they they took the doctor and they made him so obsessed with her and taking care of her and his duty to her and all of this that I understand that they had to do this story. They like to keep the character consistent. This is what the doctor would have done. He would have gone this far. He would have broken all the rules to save this person. But But I wish they hadn't done it that way. I wish they hadn't written him so that he would do this. I wish that they had kept pulled him back from the edge sooner so that he wouldn't have had to do this because it, it like just like Chris said, it it really lessened the impact of the prior episodes where she died. What I, what I don't understand is is that the, her being pulled out from the half a millisecond before actual death and ending up where she is and, and whatnot. The, from what I gathered watching the show is that doing that is breaking time. Exactly. And at the end of the episode, she's flying off in her space diner to go on adventures. Is it not breaking time anymore? No, it's still breaking time. I feel like was was the memory thing meant to fix time? No, because she's still the the from my what I understood was if she didn't get a heartbeat again, she she it time is not fixing itself and her and Arya said, "Well, I have to go back. Oh, we'll just go the long way." Yeah, because they have a time machine. She can go back, and like, like time doesn't really matter when you have a TARDIS, right? But per se. Wh- so then, but why yeah, the, is it the a forget. Thing? It's a good question because you know what? I'll take you back to um, 
the eleventh Doctor and uh, which one was the eleventh one? Matt Smith. Okay. Um, I'm thinking season six. Uh, Let's kill Hitler was the first introduction, I believe, of the. Um, not going to remember the name of the big robot that could turn into uh, anybody else, but it was manned by all these little, the little tiny shrunken people who did exactly this. They went to the point in history where uh, an evil person was supposed to um, commit some atrocity, and they took them out of their timeline, replaced them with the shape-changing robot so that they could, like, history could complete itself, but the person could also be punished for their crimes. Now, they were taken out of their time stream, and that didn't break time. Well, they keep... All right, every once in a while... The show uses the term or the phrase a fixed point in time. And that is a bullshit term. Because yeah. anytime they don't want it to be a fixed point in time anymore, they just they don't make up some reason why it can't be. Exactly. <laughs> they they the reverse streams. the polarity. <laughs> it's and, <laughs> and and the the like again, like okay, so he went through this length to to get Clara back, right? And then when Amy and Rory died, or died, they basically they got hit by a weeping angel, which meant that they traveled back in time and then just lived to death. The Doctor couldn't travel back to their point in history, which was hysterical to me. Because it's like, okay, I can't go back to New York at the time where they are. I can't. I could travel to New Jersey and take a freaking bus, but I'm not going to bother to do that because it's a fixed point in time or whatever like that. But no, for Clara, he goes to Gallifrey, punches through a diamond wall, steals her through some weird timey-wimey thing, <laughs> gives uh, the Gallifreyan man flu <laughs> to uh, <laughs> that guard, which is a hilarious way to explain what death is to a Time Lord. And uh, he goes through all of this to save Clara when she didn't want to be saved in the first place. And he wouldn't t take a bus from New Jersey to go even just visit Rory and Amy as they lived long, productive lives and had kids. I just... Oh, it's so frustrating. It's like it was almost there. It was almost a knockout, phenomenal season. And instead it was just a really great season with kind of an ending. It was... The watching the, the, the episodes just before the finale, the... the back alley ones mm -hmm. as they they progressed to the episode they kept showing like every one of his enemies and i'm like oh this is definitely like season finale type stuff hey remember you know exactly remember these people remember these people remember these people i was like okay that's cool and then they did it all again when he was in the cloisters yeah. the dalek and the cyberman like, and the weeping angel what what <laughs> okay <laughs> like it it felt like this the they could have just ended without the last episode and then start up the Gallifrey stuff with a, as a different storyline. Mm -hmm. They they were just on a mission to tell this story about Clara and the Doctor and they didn't care about anything else. And um, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, def he showed, they showed what he is willing to go through for that a little woman, you know, I don't know if it's a fatherly thing or he's got the hots for her, but the the end of them spinning off in their space diner and him not knowing what the hell is going on, it just sort of takes away from what the doctor is for me. Yeah. And 
the rules basically on this show are whatever the show owners want them to be. And they find a way to, if they want to change the rules, they find a way to explain that. And sometimes it's okay if they do it for a good reason, but here they changed the rules and they didn't do it for a good reason, I don't think. Uh, I agree. I agree. Um, I have a couple other little things to say. The While the man flu joke was funny, it kind of annoyed me because uh, at other points in the series, they have made a huge deal about regeneration. Remember when David Tennant regenerated and he was like, he took a whole friggin' mini season in between season four and season five to regenerate and like to go have adventures before he was supposed to die because he didn't want to die that much because it was a huge deal to him and then here we are five seasons later saying oh it's not really a big deal to die to a Gallifreyan I feel like it's different for a Gallifreyan on Gallifrey and I think it's part of what makes the doctor so different from other time lords you know what I mean like I I I guess that was just my interpretation of it that that he is just so different. Uh, the way his his mind works is so different, and he gets so attached. Whereas, like, just your standard time lord really just kind of views this like, well, whatever. You know what I mean? And I get that, and I wish that more attention had been drawn to that contrast that would have been an interesting thing to explore exactly i want to know more about see i didn't watch a ton of classic who and i these are assumptions i'm making based on what very little i've seen of other time lords we are now being introduced to a crap load of other time lords and they're giving me this they're feeding me this horse shit about clara when i'm meeting a whole freaking planet of time lords it was such a big deal in uh, season four, oh, sh- five, I think, when the doctor, the, do- the episode The Doctor's Wife, when he got a message in the TARDIS in the beginning, I mean, he thought there was another Time Lord out there somewhere. And he was like, oh, my God, one of my other people survived. Know, like, it was the hugest deal in the world to him. And it's really, it really got minimized by the way that they, they were brought it back. It did. He was, when he was talking to uh, Tom Baker at the end of the 50th, mm-hmm. when he explained to him what the painting meant, and he was just like, Gallifrey's out there somewhere. Like, he was so excited. And then on and Matt Smith's uh, regeneration episode, when the Time Lords gave him a bunch of new regenerations, like they were building this mystique of the other Time Lords, and there's clearly a faction of Time Lords out there that are in full support of him. And others that aren't like it's it's all so interesting. And who are these people that live outside the city and why do they live outside the city? And why do the people who live in the city seem to think very low of the people who live outside the city? And who are those women? The the women that he was seeking counsel. Oh, that's from. the sisterhood of Karn. Well, yeah, I know yeah. they're the sisterhood of Karn, but why are they so important to him? Yeah, What's their it would history? be cool to know more about them, too. I feel like one of There's... them is his mother. <laughs> Unless his mother actually is a human. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know that I wanted them to keep bring keep keep scratching that itch of being half human on his mother's side, but I, I guess <laughs> I don't get a say. Uh, the other last thing I have to say about this is the the diner. I don't get why it was the diner. Okay, the diner was a significant place in the Amy and Rory timeline. It had nothing to do with Clara. It had nothing to do with 
Peter Capaldi's doctor. I don't know why they chose to bring that set back other than it looks cool. Well, maybe they just had it lying around. Well, that's not a very good reason, is it? <laughs> like, it just didn't make any sense to me. Like, make it something to do with Coal Hill School. Like, make it something to do with, like, I don't know. It just, it well, was... maybe they, okay, because he is fighting to regain memories, that they can't do it in a place related to her because that would, you know, I don't know, stir his memories of her. They went to a place that had nothing to do with her, with her sitting in the middle of it, and it did, the only memories that it stirred were of... Of the people he could remember. You know what what I'm saying? I, and I get that. But, but do you hear, like, how hard we're contorting (laughs) to try to make this make sense? (laughs) That's how much we love this show, is like, we're really, (laughs) really trying to make it work, but like, they gotta work with us, because this is like, if that's what it was, it wasn't in there, it wasn't strong enough, man, you gotta, you gotta do a better job of telling the story you're telling. All right, the last thing I'm gonna say before we, you know, do a little commercial break is, um, the secondary TARDIS... You know, the one that they grab from Gallifrey uh-huh. and turn it to the diner? Way too boring. Boring, boring, boring. Way too simplified. Didn't Are you talking about the interior? Yes. Oh, that my God. That was the original TARDIS, though. Like it. That was what it looked like on the, season one of Doctor Who. That's what that, that was, was the... Yeah. Yeah, read my article from this week, Evan. Um, <laughs> that was actually... That was one of the high points of the episode for me. Not, Just seeing not a the interior. <laughs> I'm I'm looking at it going, well, it's kind of small, kind of simple, it's kind of boring. That's because exa- right. that's exa- that's what they could do in 1963, and that's what they thought the future looked like, and it was friggin' awesome to see and they, it. They even called it out that it was that's the default setting of the interior of a TARDIS, like that was default setting, and I I was so fantastic. All right, I, I, all right then I'm, I'm glad it was there for somebody, but it was I had it no fell on deaf ears and blind eyes for me so. <laughs> They did end it on, like, the tiniest, tiniest happy note, which is, new Sonic Screwdriver, it looks so cool. Like, <laughs> oh my god, it does, it looks so cool. I'm so excited to see what And apparently River has, like, a Sonic spatula or something in there. You're convinced that's a Sonic spatula, I don't know, wait a couple weeks, we'll watch it on Christmas, we'll see what the hell it is. Didn't they, they said something, I didn't hear, I didn't hear it, but there was a line in the preview for the Christmas episode that said, like, oh, a Sonic something is ridiculous or whatever, like, it's, it's something weird. I'm very excited about it. And I'm not even a huge River Song fan. Uh, I'm just, I'm stoked about the Christmas special. I can't wait to see River Song. Uh, The only person I want to see them bring back more than I want to see River Song is Jack Harkness. Yep. Which brings me back to, uh, at the end of time, one should expect the companion, a companionhood of immortals. So where's Jack? Exactly. So where is Jack? (laughs) I'm I'm confused. Who's Jack? I'm done. I promise. Who's Jack? Jack? Captain Jack Harkness. Oh, Jack. Uh, he's busy on Arrow. <laughs> he is busy on um. Arrow, but come on, John Barrowman. Show a little love. All right. We're going to take a quick break, and uh, when we get back, we'll <laughs> quickly glaze over the Arrow and Flash crossover. Stay tuned. Star Wars The Force Awakens is right around the corner, and Apathetic Enthusiasm has decided to take this opportunity to rewatch all six previous Star Wars movies. This week, they talk the prequel trilogy. So, if you like pod races, slapstick gungum antics, killing younglings, metachlorines, 
trade disputes, overused CG, terrible writing, crappy acting, and characters who hate sand, don't miss Apathetic Enthusiasm Episode 43, Apathy, Star Wars, Episodes 1 through 3. Flashbacks comes with a bonus side of Arrowfax this week at Applebee's. No, I'm just kidding. Since it's all about that big Flash and Arrow crossover that just happened. In fact, if I could predict the future, which I certainly can't, I would predict that you're about to listen to a bunch of people talk about that very subject. But if that's not enough for you, check out Flashbacks, Legend of Today slash Legends of Yesterday. Because Legends of Tomorrow is a thing the CW really wants you to watch. Comic Book Fans United podcast returns from their hiatus with a bang. Giggity. They've replaced their usual roundtable with a couch, and that couch is full of people talking about comics. Where have they been? What adventures has Lugo been on? What's a rouchy? What's up with Doomsday? Find the answers to these burning questions and more on CBFU podcast episode number 82, Civil War and Batman vs. Superman. Ring the Bell is back with an all-new episode. They discover that the WWE is ripping off their material, who Adele's lost love is, what Mick Foley's son is up to, and why everyone on their show is broke. Don't miss the comedy on Ring the Bell, episode 16, The Low Rating Blues. You can catch all this great stuff, plus tons of other articles, videos, podcasts, and more, right now at geekade.com. And we're back. All right. Sorry. Let's, 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 let's get this flashy arrow stuff taken care of uh this past episodes i guess i guess when we're recording it i think there was one more flash but uh there was was that tonight i think it might be tonight or yeah. was tonight earlier today um there was a big uh, crossover legends of tomorrow no legends of today legends of yesterday setting up legends of tomorrow which is going to be a thing um that revolves around this thing because Vandal Savage is the bad guy of that thing. And He's this savage. thing as well. Oi. Talk about shoehorning a bad guy into a storyline. <laughs> um, okay, so when we last left Flash, he was dealing with his buddy. What's his name? Um, what's the little Hispanic dude's name? Cisco. 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 Vibe. Vibe. I, w- I didn't want to say vibe. I remembered vibe. I wanted to say Cisco because we're talking about his personal life. Cisco's got a girl. Cisco. Yay. Cisco's girl happens to be Hawk Girl. Hawk Girl is being savagely chased by Vandal Savage. <laughs> you see what I did there? Savagely chased. <laughs> <laughs> so Vandal Savage is the new baddie. Um, he is an immortal who has got very good aim with knives. That's what I picked up from the episode. Um, and he's kind of a dick. Yeah. Yes, very well-spoken dick. But... Well, he's been alive for a long time. Well, he has he's, killed Hawkman and Hawkgirl 206 times, I think. Which means he's had plenty of chances to read a dictionary. And, I mean, he's probably read the thing cover to cover <laughs> out of sheer unadulterated boredom. <laughs> yeah, the, the story is that um, Hawkman and Hawkgirl... Their comic book background is that they're destined to be together only to die, to then be reincarnated, to find each other again, to then die again. Sounds kind of sucky, but it is what it is. Um, And it turns out that Vandal Savage is the reason they keep dying, because he keeps hunting them down to kill them so he can get their essence and be immortal. Um, They, the, the Flash team decides that they need to protect... 
Cisco's girl, and they figure the best way to do that is take him over to Arrowland. I don't understand why. They're all just regular people. None of them have powers. And they even said that in the episode. <laughs> yeah. like, but they're pretty well trained, and he trusts them. So it's oh, so it's a trust he, thing. Yeah, he's like, I trust you to take care of this girl while we try to figure out what the hell's going on. <laughs> yeah, it's also, I mean, Flash is one guy, and he's got a team, but none of them are like, you know, hero heroes. They're just like support people. And then over on Team Arrow, you've got a whole bunch of heroes. Yeah. So, all right, makes sense. I guess, I guess the logic works in comic book world. Um, so they bring Kendra, which is the girl they bring over to, to Steven's house and they're like, okay, we'll do what we can. We'll protect her as best we can. But the, the main kid is we got to get rid of Vandal, Mr. Savage. And they come up with this elaborate plan to dispatch him, which apparently fails miserably. <laughs> I mean, some of the best death scenes I've seen in, in TV in a long time happened in this episode. I mean, just you, like you remember the the scene from Terminator Two when the the missile goes off and she's grabbing onto the chain link fence. That's what everybody dies the first time around when they try to stop Vandal. Everybody <laughs> yeah, that plan goes horribly awry. <laughs> well, Barry doesn't die. Well, no, Barry runs, and because he's always being told to run, nobody says anything other to him but run. Well, it's kind of his thing. I, yeah, I guess. <laughs> he is the fastest man alive. Uh, fast we, enough. As to we are told every episode. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, whilst Flash is running away from the explosion, he travels back in time, and they get a second chance at a failed plan. It works out the second time. Now, the problem is, is that when Barry figures out that he has traveled through time, he knows from experience that him and time travel don't always go well. So he is very worried about changing things because he knows it always ends up backfiring. But he said, screw it, and they did it. They changed everything and they won at the end. The subplot of this story is um, Oliver's got a kid. They planted the seeds for that a long, long time, time ago. ago. Too. Um, but the reason... The reason the plan fails in the first time is because Oliver has a kid. So. His head's not in the game. <laughs> so, I mean, I, the, I remember the first Flash-Arrow crossover. I like that way better than this one. I feel like they just did something to do something. It was very, you know... Kind of... We want people to watch Legends of Tomorrow, so we're going to use this. Now, I will say that while, like, plot-wise, I wasn't in love with this, I really did enjoy the writing in this. Uh, especially, like, the the Arrow, and it was the Flash episode with the Arrow team in it. And I'm like, man, they should get the Flash writers to write these guys all the time, because this is funny. Oh, the banter was very good. I mean, all of Barry Allen's banter is usually very good. Yeah. You know, when he was you know standing off to, to Vandal, he's like, did, did you practice this speech beforehand, yeah. <laughs> or was this all off the cuff? Yeah, like, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Like, yeah, it's, there were a lot, of, a lot of dumb crap in it. It wasn't phenomenal, but the writing was really good. It was very sharp. Before, we were talking about um, Captain Jack, and, like, I don't, I really don't know how I feel about Malcolm Merlin. 
because half the time he is doing what he's supposed to be doing, being that guy in the shadows, you know, spewing out bits of information, and then other times, he like he confronts Oliver in a way that like he's like if make sure that this plan works because if you kill my daughter, I'm going to hunt you down. If he gets his daughter killed, most likely Oliver's going to be dead as well. Like that's pretty much what's going to happen. <laughs> I don't get where he, the, the the Malcolm Merlin character keeps flip flopping back and forth because he's crazy as a bag of cats. <laughs> <laughs> like th- this is a character who literally thought the best thing that he could do for his daughter was frame her for murder. Okay. All right, good point. Good <laughs> like point. this guy is. He has no screws to lose. <laughs> They're hanging out 40 miles away in a bag at the bottom of the river with all of his marbles. Like, this guy is nuts. Um, Felicity, she... I love her. I, I really like her, too. I think she's going to leave soon. Like, that's what I feel. Like, I feel like they're setting up the relationship between her and Oliver to fail. And that eventually she's going to be over in the Legends of Tomorrow. Here's the thing about Felicity, and it's a thing I don't want to admit, but the very first episode of Arrow this season, we saw a grave and didn't see who was in it. And we talked about this when we saw it. If that is her in there, so help us God. <laughs> but, I mean, they they are, you know, steering it more and more in that direction. But another possibility it could be is the another kid. candidate showed up this week yeah yes. another two candidates there's the very good possibility that the kid's mother could go as mm-hmm. well because that's the thing at this point i think I, I honestly think uh and it's not just that i don't want them to kill felicity i feel like she's too obvious at this point like even the way they shot that episode was like it was lovey-dovey happiness. Everything is wonderful between Ollie and Felicity. And then the next shot is the grave. It's like there's no way they're telegraphing it this obviously. It, it The show's smarter than that. Yeah. I sure hope it is. Yeah. Me too. Killing Felicity is bad plan. Because bad here's plan. this uh, this week we had an example of how the show is smarter than that usually. But this week, not so much. Because usually... Felicity and Ollie would get in an argument with this kind of like this kind of like they did this week with him not telling her the truth about the kid. And they would not take the standard road that usually most TV shows about, like just keeping the secret and letting it fester and creating a huge problem. Normally, Arrow's the kind of show where they would like talk about it, get it out in the open, solve the problem. And like everyone can be happy and rational and do things like in a smart way. But they didn't do that. They took the stereotypical way, and it pissed me off, and it's not usually what those characters do, so I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I was just astonished that the second time around, they didn't find a way to either just fix come it. out with it, yeah, fix it, or just, even if he didn't talk to her about it yet, just say, look, I really need to work through this on my own for a little bit. Just give me a little bit of time. Just let her know something's up. He will tell her. Even that well, would have been understandable. Did say that, but he said that in the first time around, and then that got erased. Yeah, but he did it in such like a, a bullshitty way that it it turned into a problem. Like instead of being, like he didn't have a chance to lie to her about it, and and the the, the second time around. 
Whereas he was it, she caught him on a lie or something in the first time, which is why he had to talk to her about it in the first place. And he was like, "Look, I, I don't, I don't want to talk about this yet." And she was all <laughs> the fact, the fact that she re- recognized his DNA from printout, though, it's like <laughs> really show, really, I'm gonna buy this. Okay, fine. <laughs> well, I'm I was upset at, at at Barry because he's standing there with this, you know, big white piece of paper in his hand. And he slowly turns around and then quickly, like, flashy folds it and puts it in his pocket. Really? Like, she's smarter than that. She's going to see you doing that, dude. I don't care how fast you are. And she did. She caught him straight away. So you just flash folded that. Now, here's the thing with the kid is, um, okay, so he didn't tell the truth about her, her, the kid the second time. Now, Barry said the time travel comes with a cost and we haven't seen that cost yet. Except that we have seen a grave that happened sometime in the future. That could be very well, very well. See what I did I there? I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> that could very well be the cost of this time travel is that something happens to the kid or his mom because he didn't tell the truth in this timeline. But you know what else is an effect of him not telling the truth in this timeline is it could fuck up his relationship with Felicity, which... It, it, We've seen the whole, whatever, first third of this season, the two of them being so happy. The show has been so great with them like that. Why would they mess that up? Be- I don't yeah, like You it. don't need that drama. You've got plenty of other drama in this show to work with. You Save just, the drama just... for your mama. <laughs> but we <laughs> have a happy couple. We Like, just do it. But we can't. Yeah, come on, TV. <laughs> we have to remember that Oliver does not end up with her. Yeah, well, Vandal in Savage the is the one who kills uh, Hawkman and Hawkgirl over and over again, but we went ahead and changed that. Yeah. yeah, okay, in the comics he ends up with Black Canary, but that doesn't have to be the way it ha- is on the show, especially since this Black Canary sucks. <laughs> yes, she does. <laughs> hey, she screamed in this episode, though. She, she did- does yes, do she that occasionally, and fantastic. it is cool. <laughs> But she's. Awful. Do you think I should? I should back that up. Black Canary doesn't suck. Laurel sucks. <laughs> yeah, Black Canary's all right, I guess. But uh, but Laurel is 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 terrible. I mean, geez, we just did the whole. Uh, what is it? Her reviving her sister. Like there was that was a bad plan. Oh yeah, that yeah, was, that a, was really a real bad, bad plan. plan. And that was all Laurel. There was no Canary there. But they had to do that so they can get White Canary into the into Legends of Tomorrow. of Tomorrow. It's just. It's all, like, every bad thing that has happened has been, like, in the interest of making Legends, Legends of, of Tomorrow. Tomorrow a thing. With the exception of Bring Back Ray. I was I, I enjoyed all that stuff. That is true. And I, I gotta say, I, I, I mean, really do. I think this Legends of Tomorrow, I, I, I hope it's good. I'm looking forward to it. If for no other reason than to see Arthur Darvill again. Like, exactly. God love him. I do. I really think Legends of Tomorrow is going to be really good, but I don't think we needed... I don't think we needed this kind, this level of setup for it. I just don't. And I, I'm, I know why they're doing it. Like the Flash, that that that's a name. Green Arrow, Arrow, that's a name. Legends of Tomorrow, that's kind of that. That is a comic booky title if there ever was one. That does not have the same mass market appeal as names like Flash and Arrow. Is so they've got to do something to make sure that the people that are watching these shows knows that this is part of that continuity. It, even though Flash and Arrow aren't on. But is is in the comic book world is there a Legends of Tomorrow? I'm pretty sure there was a there's I, I, that's that smells to me like 
a DC series that's gone on and off over and over the years. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm curious because I feel like that's why they're doing, they're pushing it so hard because they're if if it's a if it's a DC th- DC thing, it's a DC thing now that they're trying to you know shoehorn into the television show. Yeah, and I'll have to do some research, but all in all, I really. This I could have done with or without this episode. You could have just shown me Hawkman and Hawk Girl or Woman, whatever they're calling her. And hey, look, new 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 badass couple on the scene. That's fine. I didn't need this backstory and let Vandal Savage show up in Legends of Tomorrow because like they're starting off the show with a villain who's already been beaten. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we we didn't we didn't need this to set up. Vandal Savage. We just we just didn't. Um, it was neat, like the way that they uh, got that intro scene with Damien Dark, uh, where he was like, <laughs> he was like killing killing dudes or whatever, and he was just he was so tickled by everything that was happening around him. The the I, the, the magnetic arrow. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, oh, that's a good idea. Oh, gee, Felicity, the magnetic <laughs> arrow trick will never work. <laughs> that moment I loved, and you know why? Because I have done that to Chris. <laughs> I have straight up thought he left the house, and like he was right behind me, and I do some bitchy thing where I'm like, oh, look what I did. And I, I'm Chris, and this is what I do. And like, and it's just, it was hysterical. I did like the fact that she's like, oh, didn't know that was up it. Love you, honey. Make good choices. <laughs> 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 That's what I'm saying. The writing, the writing was real solid. You know, it's it, it, these things are always fun. I like seeing these, these those two shows exist in the same world as well as they do. Um, this wasn't you know a knock out of the park. It wasn't a complete and utter failure, but you know, it was it was cool enough. I'm still stoked for Legends of Tomorrow. I think it's going to be a fun. I show. I think it's going to be a really fun show as well. And I really hope they don't go. Arrow doesn't go back to. You know, Broody Arrow, which is what it seems like it's going to be going, because he wants, it seems that he wants to have a relationship with his son, but, you know, to have that, he has to keep it a secret, even, and they specifically said this, even from Felicity. <laughs> and why? Okay. he Because th- okay. the mom said it has to be a secret, but... Mom's dead. No, what? no, no, the kid's mom. No. Okay. Kid's mom was like, you can't say you can't say anything to anyone. It's like, yeah, well, Felicity doesn't have to tell anyone either. Okay. Exactly. Like, why can't you tell your girlfriend? Okay. But the mother of of Ollie's <laughs> booty call is doing what she is, has done what she has done because Ollie's mother told her to. Right. Ollie's okay? mother is now dead. Schmucky woman didn't cash the million dollar check and now has become all. You know, oh, this is the right thing. It's the kid's father. She's doing it for the wrong reasons. Yes. Everyone's doing everything for the wrong reasons. <laughs> that should be the tagline for this show. <laughs> <laughs> this week on Arrow. Everyone's doing things for the wrong reasons. <laughs> I don't know. The the Cisco the Cisco relationship with, with Hawkgirl. I can't even remember. I know it's Carter Hall and Kendra Saunders. <laughs> like, he just... I, I wanted to see them become something. Like, there was something there. He was cute in a relationship, and she was badass. Like, that was right. And then they're like, ah, nope, I gotta go do my thing. Can't be around you. 
I did like that Cisco got his moment, though, in that second go round where he got to give her the pep talk and you know no. get the big kiss and all that. That was that was sweet. Yeah, and I and I wanted more of that for Cisco. Because yeah, well, welcome to my world. <laughs> I, I want more couples to getting together and being awesome on TV all the time, and I never get it, and I'm constantly yelling at the TV, and Chris can attest to that fact. That's true. <laughs> yep, yep. Every time we characters, like, they, they're setting up for a romance, and they come close to, like, something happening, and then they don't happen, I just, like, lose my shit at the TV. I'm like, God damn it, show, what the hell are you doing to me? Yeah. Well, <sighs> all right. I mean, I have nothing else to say. It was a relatively entertaining show. I don't think it progressed the story of no, either. There's far more interesting things happening on both shows right now yeah. than this. Uh, it is, a, I guess, it, I mean, it sort of sets up tomorrow, you know, the Legends of Tomorrow. I mean, it gives us the baddie, but other than that... I think all the, all the uh, characters on Legends Tomorrow, with the exception of Rip Hunter have been now set up by one show or the other. So Hawkman and Hawk Woman are going to be Yep. Both yes. of them are? Okay. Mm-hmm. They are um Captain Cold and the Fire, fire Dude. Guy. <laughs> I think we're they I are, think he, they're in an episode this week, by the way. <laughs> like I think they're in no. flash this today. Good. So we're gonna find out I'm um, gonna have to remember his name. <laughs> then the Adam and White Canary and is that it? I think so. Yeah. And White Canary has not become White Canary yet, correct? No. No. Uh, Which isn't really a thing, but that's fine. All right. Um, So, recap. Flash and Arrow. It's just another episode. Check it out. It was enjoyable. Uh, Doctor Who. Yay? Overall, (laughs) yes. Overall, love Doctor Who. Personally, not so much in love with this finale, but... It really depends on your feelings about Clara, how much you like this episode. Uh, Studio 60 on Sunset Strip Boulevard? Strip Boulevard. Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, which is called Studio 60. And while you're at it, go watch it. Because there's not a ton of it. It wasn't the most amazing, great television in the history of mankind, but it was a damn good time. I enjoyed it. Guess a thumbs up from me. And brain games, go watch it, learn something, become smarter. And with that, I, I that's it. We're gonna wrap it up, wrap up this episode. Uh, Chris, see, I did it, Chris, not not Christopher, because you're not Christopher. I appreciate that. Yes, I know. Once again, you can get in touch with us at mail at geekade.com as well as all flavors of social media that we inhabit. You can like us on Facebook, find us on Instagram at Geekade, subscribe to our YouTube and Twitch channels for all our latest video content, and follow us on Twitter at the underscore Geekade. You can also find us individually on Twitter. I am at Geekade Chris. Uh, Evan is available at Geekade underscore Evan. Karen is available at Shoot underscore the underscore moon. If you're interested in more information about any of the shows we discussed tonight, be sure to check out our show notes. And while you're at it, you can subscribe to this and any of our other wonderful podcasts on iTunes, where if you're super nice, you can leave us a review, because any and all feedback is welcome and appreciated. Again, always remember to keep your eyes on geekade.com, where we post something new every single day. Back to you, Evan. All right. With that being said, we're going to wrap this up. Please hit us up on the social medias, shares, likes, get the get the word out there. We want to, we want to keep doing this to, to, to people. Not just for us. We want others to hear it and enjoy it as much as we enjoy doing it. And don't forget, 
MSD3K. We want to see a shit ton more of it. So go check them out. They're Kickstarter. Give them your dollars. Give them your, your dollars. Uh, pass along the word if you can't afford to give dollars. Um, trust me, it's worth whatever whatever shekels you can could pass along. Uh, and that's a, that's all I got, guys. We good for the night? I'm great. Fantastic. Live the dream. So from all of us here at this week's episode, I'm Evan Goldstein. I'm Chris Randazzo. And I'm Karen Randazzo. Good night. <laughs> Did you read the, uh, uh, what is it, uh, George Lucas's review of The Force Awakens? No. <laughs> it basically boiled down to he thinks the fans are going to love it. He thinks it's the movie that they've been waiting for. But he says it with like you just feel the disdain <laughs> dripping off. Dripping like, like disdain. Oh, this is what you you wanted a good movie? Well, sure, I guess the fans will like it. <laughs> and he's fighting Frieza and he looks at him and he goes, I'm gonna break you. <laughs> what? Like a Kit Kat bar. <laughs> what? <laughs> and this concludes our broadcast day.